for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you ever have any questions or you want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at newsongplymouth.church. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon. Are you ready to study the Word of God, yes or no? All right. God is in control. This is the last of this uh, series. Um, we, we took a, a, a week off from it because Pastor Larry Stockstill was here uh, last Sunday morning and uh, thoroughly enjoyed my, my time with them on Saturday, Sunday. I drove them down to Indianapolis. We had dinner together Sunday night. I was with them all day Monday at a, at a conference, a seminar type of thing down in Indianapolis and just enjoyed my weekend, learned so much, so much. But this has been a couple of weeks now since we've been in this God is in control series. And I just want to give you just a couple of moments of reminder. So number one, write this down as we kick this off. God is sovereign. God is sovereign. That's what we're talking about. God is in control. God is sovereign. He has the absolute right to do all things according to his own good pleasure. He has the absolute right to do all things according to his own good pleasure. Now, there are so many verses in the Bible uh, that we can use. Uh, I've used several of them already. These are different verses. Psalm 135, verse 6. The Lord does whatever pleases him. There you have it. The Lord does whatever pleases him in the heavens and on the earth, in the seas and all the depths. Like everywhere, all the time, God is doing what pleases him. Isaiah 14, 24 says, The Lord Almighty has sworn, surely as I have planned, so it will be, and as I have purposed, so it will happen. God is sovereign. He has the absolute right to do all things according to his own good pleasure. He not only has the right new song, but God also has the power to do all things according to his own good pleasure. And if that makes you a little bit nervous and that says, wow, it just feels like I'm out of control here, uh, I'm going to address that today. But the, the next thing you need to know is that God is good. Write that down. God is good. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That in all things God works. And in all, thing, in all things God works for our, for our good. In all things. So even this bad thing in my life, life, Pastor Justin, in all things, in all things, in all things, does that mean that God created all the bad things? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying in all things, whether good or bad, God is working all of it for our good. Because, everybody, God is good. He is good. There's, the Bible says very clearly, there is no evil in him whatsoever. Okay, so here's, that's, that's kind of the reminder of where we've been. Now we're, now we're starting today's message. Ready for this? Number three, write this down. Thinking that I'm always in control, that's just an illusion, everybody. To think that you're always in control is just an illusion. It's an illusion. It's not reality. And, and you think, whoa, 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 what a second. I'm, I'm, Pastor, I'm in control of my own life. No, actually you're not, and I'm going to prove that to you. If you are in control of your own life, then nothing bad would ever happen to you. I don't know about you, but if I were in control of everything in my life, I promise you, nothing bad would happen to me, 
Nothing bad would happen to my, my wife or my children or my family. No, nothing bad would happen to my staff. Nothing bad would happen to my church. Nothing bad would happen. If I was in control, nothing bad would happen. So the fact of the matter is, knowing that people go through struggles and trials and, and what we would call tribulations, we see that in the Bible, that, that we have difficulties in this life proves to us that we're not in control. And if you think you're in control of your own life, well, I can do my own thing, my own way, at my own time. Can I tell you that's an illusion? That's an illusion. Let me say it differently. That's a lie. You have believed a lie. You've believed a lie. In fact, everybody, I'm going to share with you um, another verse that I, I just found. I didn't know I was going to really share this, but I, I will today because I think it's fitting. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11 says, In him we we're also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him, meaning according to the plan of God, who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, who works out everything in conformity to the purpose of his will. God works out everything. God works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. So. Uh, let, let me give you an illustration of this in the Bible. Because a lot of times, a lot of times we think, okay, well, there's a couple times in the Bible that, um, you know, bad things happen to, to godly people and that God permitted that. And the first one we've already talked about in this series, we're not really going to do it today, but I'll just bring it up, uh, is the story of Job. You remember the story of Job that, that Satan was talking to God, and God said, hey, have you considered my servant Job? And he's like, yeah, I'm going to go after that guy. And God said, well, you can't kill him, but you can do whatever else you want. And Satan comes in and destroys his, his very life. I mean, everything except taking his life. He destroys his home. He destroys his family. He destroys his, his income. He, all of his assets are just destroyed. Now, God gave him increase at the end of that, but Job went through a really tough time. So that's the obvious one. Okay, Job went through a mess. But the Bible is actually filled with godly men and women who also went through messes, and God knew that they were going to go through messes, and God permitted the fact that they were going to go through messes. And one of those, of course, we've sort of said it to, is um, Joseph. Everybody remember Joseph. That guy went through a mess. I mean, he, he wasn't doing really anything wrong, and all of a sudden his brothers came in, and they messed with him, and he got sold. He got first thrown into a cistern, then he got sold into slavery, then he was in jail, and for, for a lot of years, his life was just a mess. And so we see that in the Bible. But then you would say, well, who in the New Testament has gone through that? Well, we know Paul. Paul makes this list of everything that he had to go through, everybody. And it was a lot of things. But I'm going to bring you to a portion of Scripture that we, we often overlook. Or maybe we don't, we don't understand the, the depth of it. Uh, because it's a very short verse in, in the Bible. And this is found in, in the book of Luke. <clears throat> excuse me, chapter 22 and verse 31. And this, this is when Jesus is actually predicting the, the denial of Peter. And he's meeting with his disciples right before he goes to the cross, right before he's tormented and, of course, killed and then raised to life. And Jesus says these words. Now, the first, the first thing I, wanted, I want you to know is Jesus has already changed Simon's name to Peter. Remember how he changed his name to Peter? But in this verse... Uh, Jesus kind of takes a backward, steps and call, backward step and calls him Simon. 
Not just once, but twice. And it really is a term of, en- of endearment. It's like when you would go to a loved one, like if I were to go to my wife and I'd say, Jennifer, Jennifer. It, it would be a term of endearment if I say their name twice. And that's what he's saying. He says, Simon, Simon. And he's getting his attention. Jesus says this, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. The, the King James Version, other versions like the ASV, they just says Satan is asked to sift you as wheat. Well, you, that word you is actually plural. And, and Jesus is actually talking to all the disciples at, at this point. He, now he's, he's calling attention to Simon, 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 listen, listen, listen. Satan's actually asked to sift you, all of you, as wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me, when you've repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. That's out of the New Living Translation. Meaning this, everybody. Jesus is saying, Simon, 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 come here. Come here, come here. Satan is after you. In fact, he's after all of you. And I've pleaded in prayer for you. Think about this. Jesus went to God the Father on Simon's behalf, on Simon Peter's behalf. Think about this. Jesus went to God about this. That that Peter in the moment would not fail. And then Jesus' next words are, So after you do fail, because I know you will, repent and turn back to me and then strengthen your brothers. Like there was something that Jesus knew about Simon Peter. He said, Simon Peter, I've gone to God about this. I know what's happening. I don't want you to fail, but you're going to fail. And after you fail, repent, come back to me, and then live your life with purpose. I want you to strengthen your brothers. See, Jesus knows something that a lot of people are not willing to, to, to um, how do I say this? There, there, there's, there, there are people out there and teachers out there, in fact, you'll see them on the Bible or, or on the television all the time, teaching what the Bible says about faith, that anything that happens in our life it's because we didn't have enough faith. We weren't covering our, our family in prayer. We weren't pleading the blood. We weren't, you know, speaking what needs to be spoken, We're, you know. And, and if bad things are in your life, you've got to do this, this, and this, and it's going to go. Because you never have to have a, a bad day in your life. I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, everybody, that's not what the Bible says. They, they have taken the truths of faith and just taken them too far. In fact, everybody, let me read you something else. And I was so, I was so grateful for this. Joyce Meyer uh, told her viewers one day, and this is a quote. She said, I'm glad for what I learned about prosperity, but it's gotten out of balance. And I'm glad for what I learned about faith, but it's gotten out of balance. You see, every time someone has problems or, or had problems, it was, and her answer was, because, because they didn't have enough faith. If you got sick, you didn't have enough faith. If your child died, you didn't have enough faith. And she comes in, to the conclusion, well, that's just not right. That's just not right. And, and I was really glad that she wrote that because a lot of people, a lot of faith teachers will tell you 
Well, if bad things are happening, it is your fault. It is your fault. Can I tell you something, everybody? The Bible doesn't say that. In fact, the Bible actually says that especially in the end times, in the last days before the return of Christ, that all of us will have struggles and we'll all go through suffering to some degree, that there are going to be some bad days. Some bad days. And to think that you're in control is just an illusion. You're not in control. Now, are you in control of some things? Yes. Do you have the ability to have faith? Do you have the ability to, to cover yourself and to cover your family and, and to, to, to make declarations like, hey, no weapon formed against me is going to prosper, or God is going to supply all of my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus? Do you have the ability to believe those things and declare those things and live by those things? The obvious answer is yes. But don't be naive. Don't be deceived. If you think you're in control, that's just an illusion. In fact, John, John Piper says it this way, if you think you're in control, that's arrogance. I think he's right. One thing I found out in life, I, I can speak good things. I can declare things. The Bible says if I decree a thing, it is established. I believe that. I hold to that. We are to live by faith. We are to walk by faith. We are to speak words of faith. The Bible says, that, that, believe, that faith is a matter of believing and speaking, so we believe, therefore we speak. Like So faith should actually change not only our actions and our thoughts, but actually faith should change our words, and, and our words should align with our faith. But don't be naive. That doesn't mean every problem is going to get fixed. It doesn't mean that you're never going to have a bad day, because you will. And there are some times, can I tell you, that it's our fault that we bring it on ourselves. And there are other times where it's not your fault. You had nothing to do with it. It happened because we live in a fallen world. That does not mean, though, let me say it this way, just because you're not in control doesn't mean that God's not in control. Because I'm not sovereign. You're not sovereign, but God is he is always in control. He does whatever pleases him, and he takes all things. He takes all things, and he works for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. Let me prove this to you even further. James chapter 4, verse 13 says this, Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go uh, to this or to that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Now watch what he says. Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. Like, what do you mean a year from now that you're going to be doing? You don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. Like, like, you're not in full control here. You don't know what's going to happen. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. If it is the Lord's will, we will do this or that. Uh, let me tell you, growing up in Oklahoma, being around a lot of um, uh, uh, believers growing up, obviously grew up in the church. My dad was a pastor. In Oklahoma, we, have, we had a saying down there that you don't hear much in the north. I'm sure a lot of you probably heard it, but it was common in our day. You would ask a question of a believer in the church. You'd say, hey, are we going to see you tonight at church? Lord willing. Lord willing. How many know what I'm talking about? You've heard that before. Lord willing. 
Lord willing, and, and it got to the point that people said it so often that it had no meaning to me. Like, that was their way of saying, well, I plan on it. I plan on it. And, and I, didn't, I didn't, you know, it just didn't have any depth of meaning to me. And yet, at the, po- at the same point, everybody, now that I'm more mature, that when I say the Lord willing, I mean the Lord willing. Like, there are some things that are in, 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 in my control that I can respond to the voice of God. I can obey the voice of God. I can believe his word. I can fight the good fight of faith. I'm in control of those type of things, but there's a lot of things I'm not in control of. But I can certainly live my life to say, hey, Lord willing, Lord willing. I had a lot of people ask me, hey, are you going to uh, build a building? Lord willing, I, I think so. I hope so. I've been praying about it, but ultimately that choice is God's. Lord willing, Lord willing. But what what are the what does the future hold for New Song? I, man, I have a vision for a lot of things. I have a vision for a lot of things actually, and Lord willing, they'll come true. Lord willing, they will come about if it's in His plan. And if it benefits those in in our lives and the people that we're trying to reach, and and if it's part of God's plan for for working all things together for good, then yeah, it's probably going to happen. It's going to happen if it's part of God's plan. The Bible says that that nothing can thwart the plan of God. Isn't that cool? That God is in control. So when you're not in control, God is. But don't have the illusion that you are. Isaiah 55, 8 says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And if you think, well, hey, hey, actually, I'm in control. You know what you're saying? Well, I have the thoughts of God. You're putting yourself on the same level as God. Well, I got news for you. You're not God. You're not God. You're not as smart as he is. You're not as wise as he is. You're not as powerful as he is. In fact, everybody, we are nothing compared to the great and awesome God that we serve. So write this down, number four, that, God is, that God's way is always, God's way is always better than my way. God's way is always better than my way. But sometimes we feel like we're in control and we try to manipulate things. We try to make things happen because because we want to be in control, and we think, well, if God's in control, surely he's going to do it like this. Can I tell you something? That God's way is always better than my way. Hey, come on, ladies. There are some ladies in this room that you're married to somebody who doesn't know Jesus, and it breaks your heart that, that your husband doesn't know Jesus, and you've tried. You've tried to control that. You've tried to manipulate him. You've thought, well, if I just leave this little bitty booklet on his nightstand, surely he'll say, well, where did that come from? And pick it up and read it and give his life to Jesus. Well, if I, if I connect him with, with this guy, this guy is going to say these words and he's going to fall to his knees and give his life to Jesus. Listen, can I tell you something? Wonderful woman of God, you're not in control. And it's okay to try, but, and it's okay to encourage, and it's, it's definitely okay to pray. But at the end of the day, can I, can, I, can I inform you, can I help you a little bit? That you need to go to bed at night saying, God, you're in control, and I'm not. And your way is better than my way. And so I trust you with my husband. I trust you with my loved ones. And that applies to, to children. It applies to wives. It, everybody... Your way, and I know you're like, why did I come to church to hear this? Your way is not necessarily best. Yeah, that's right. I just said that. 
Are you offended? And if you're offended, you really need to listen up. Because you've got some arrogance happening in your life. That your way is not always best. God's way always is always best. In fact, write this down, number five. God always gives his best to those who leave the choice with him. Jim Elliott said that. That God always gives his best to those who leave the choice with him. And, and what he meant by that was, you know, if you think that you're in control and you, you, know, you have a problem in your life and so you're trying to fix it, you're trying to solve it, and everything that you go to do, it just isn't working, it's not, nothing's coming about, so you, you just try to keep manipulating things, manipulating things to make things happen, and you need to remember that all, God always gives his best to those who leave the choice with him. To those who live their wife's lives saying, Lord willing, Lord willing, this is, this is my idea. I think it's a God-given idea. I'm going to head this direction, and Lord willing, it'll come about. But if God stops it, he just stops it. I have, I have a rule in my life. You've heard me say it lots of times, although I haven't said it in a long time now, that when God shuts the door, I don't jiggle the handle. Because we often have the tendency to do that, don't we? Like, well, Lord willing, and then we go and we want something, but God just shuts the door. He just closes the door, and they're like, how dare you, God? I have things I want to do here. See, you have an illusion that you're in control. And you sit there and jiggle the handle. But there's a better way. You know, God, God has closed lots of doors in my life. God has closed lots of doors in the journey of this church. And I'm so glad he shut those doors. Looking back now, I see the hand of God. I, I mean, looking back now, I cannot deny that God's way was way better than my way. Did you know at, at one point we were looking to purchase the plaza that we used to meet in? How many are glad that God shut that door? Woo, thank you, Jesus. You know what I'm talking about? Like, Because uh, we thought, boy, if we go in here, may, hey, maybe we can tear down half of it, fix the parking lot, build this part up. Because and, and, there just weren't very many opportunities. And yet when we all came to, the, to a certain place, we just knew that God had shut the door. And I wasn't going to sit there and jiggle the handle. Because I'm not in control. God, you're in control. I'm not, and see, so, so some of you, you, you've been trying to get this in your life, whatever this is. I'm, I'm going after this, and it's just not happening. Have you come to the realization that you're not in control and that maybe God is shutting a door so that he can open up another one and he's actually protecting you, he's actually living for your good, and you're getting frustrated trying to accomplish what you want to accomplish, but maybe it's not what God wants to accomplish. And I would tell you, we need a change of heart because thinking that we're in control is just an illusion and that God always gives his best to those who live the choice with him, to those who just walk in. Let me say it like this, everybody. Here's the answer to those who just walk in submission. My, my, job, my job as a believer in Christ Jesus is not to be in control. In fact, my job as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, as a passionately devoted follower of Christ, is not to be in control. It's actually to release control. My role as a believer in Christ Jesus is actually to submit to the Lord Jesus Christ and his word. That's my job. And in doing so, 
I'm telling the Lord, Lord, I trust you. Trust you. I, I, I've already talked about a Financial Peace University, and I'll, I'll share this with you very quickly. When, and, and this is just going to be a, a very honest moment with you guys. That when, Just a time of transparency. My, when my wife and I got married now over 20 years ago, um, I, I was tithing most of the time. Most of the time. And there were months where I just thought, I don't have enough money to tithe, and I just didn't. When my wife and I got married, I knew my wife. And I told my wife, I said, I want you to oversee the finances because I might be tempted not to tithe, and I don't want to do that. I want you to oversee the finances because I know you, Jennifer. You'll tithe first thing every time. And I want to be that. I want to be a tither. I want to be somebody who gives. And at the same point, God was calling us to become debt-free. And I, and I was scared about that. Like, how, how in the world am I going to pay off my bills if I take 10% or right off the top and give that to God? And then outside of that, my wife said, okay, we'll do that. I'll, I'll definitely tithe every single month. But she also wanted to pick up a, a, a missionary just to, for us to support a missionary on our, our own. I don't even remember the name of that person, but I, I believe it's somebody that she, well, obviously somebody that she knew that I didn't. And, and I, absolutely... And then all of a sudden, everybody, when, when, see, see my, my, my job before that, I was trying to take control. But when my wife and I got married, I got to this point that I just said, I'm, I'm done with that. But, at same, but also at the same point, I didn't fully trust myself, so I asked my wife, hey, in this area, you trust God a little bit more than I do, and I'm going to hand this to you because... I know you're going to do the right thing, and I want so desperately to do the right thing, but I'm not there yet. I don't really fully trust. Is this too transparent for you guys? Am I okay? You guys still love me? Okay, because I'm a, I'm a human. You know that, right? And, and so we were very faithful. Jennifer was very faithful at tithing every month and even giving above and beyond that. And all of a sudden, the Lord just, when I surrendered, when I submitted control to God, all of a sudden, money just started coming to us very unexpectedly. And God just did the miraculous. He just did the, the miraculous. And, and you guys know the story that as we, as we you know, grew in our marriage and grew in our life and grew in, grew in faithfulness, that all of a sudden the Lord just started giving us creative ideas of how we could get out of debt. And, then, then, and that's what happened. We just, there was just... Hard work, a lot of hard work involved, and we just were faithful to God, and we just followed his lead. We just lived surrendered lives to our, our Heavenly Father, and he just provided for us over and over and over and over again. And I've told this story before, but the first check that we, that we were handed when we sold one of our properties because we, we started flipping houses was $17,000. The first thing that we did was we tithed on that. And then we saved up next some money for the next house, and then we just put all the rest of it on debt. The, the, the next time we, we sold a house, it was, it was well over $30,000 in a, in a check in our hand that we walked away with. And that just happened over and over again. And we worked for it, everybody. We worked for it, but we were surrendered to God. We just made a choice. I am not in control. 
God, you're in control. And, and I'm at this point, you know, back then I was at this point, God, am I going to trust you or not? And we just decided to trust the Lord. And God provided. He just provided. Some of you are in that place saying, you know, I don't know if I can trust God in this circumstance. I just don't know if I can trust God. I think I, so what you're saying is, you think you can do better than God? And when I say it like that, you're like, oh, no, I, I don't want to say that. Do you really think you can do better than God? You really think that? And if you do, all the more reason you, you need to surrender to God. As I promise you, he always gives his best when, the, when we leave the choice to him. He always gives his best when we surrender to him, when we submit to him and to his word. He always gives his best. I'm talking about the sovereignty of God, that he is control. And when he is in control, it means that you have to relinquish control. You have to submit to him. Number six, write this down. So I must trust God not to satisfy my agenda, but I have to trust him to be faithful to his word. I have to trust God, but not to satisfy my agenda. I need to trust God knowing that he's going to be faithful to his word. So what is his word? Matthew 10 says this, Are not two, two sparrows sold for a penny, yet Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. Can I tell you something just in the Lord? Everybody, if you can, just put your sermon notes away and just listen to your pastor just for a few minutes. God is in control. God is in control. Don't live under the illusion that you're in control. The greatest thing that you could do in the world is to fully, wholeheartedly surrender your life to Christ. Submit yourself to the Lord and to his word, knowing that he is trustworthy and that he'll take care of you. And sometimes it doesn't make sense in the natural. But we're not talking about a natural God. We're talking about a supernatural God who is faithful and who works out all things, who works all things out for our good. That's who we're talking about. A God who's actually in control. So, new song, this is our call. We submit to God, and in doing so, don't be afraid. We submit to God, and in doing so, fear not. So this is how we approach him. Father, I, I surrender to you today. And I've been trying to manipulate my husband. I've been trying to manipulate my children. I've been trying to manipulate my boss. I've been trying to control this. I've been trying to control that. I've been trying to con control money. I've been trying to control my house. I've been trying to control relationships. I've been trying to control all of these things. God, I'm just going to submit to you. I'm going to submit to you. I'm going to surrender to your word. I'm going to live life according to your word because I trust you that you're in control and you're going to work this out for my good.
don't be afraid. God cares for you. God cares for you. The last few weeks we've been talking about God being in control. And he is. And I wanted to end on this point that God cares for you because next week I'm going to start a brand new series and this was very purposeful. I've known I've, I've been... I've known that I was going to go in this direction for months and months and months. That we were going to go from God is in control to God is able. In the next few weeks, as we talk about God is able, you're going to be encouraged. You're going to go out of this, this place with a smile on your face and say, Ooh, God is able. Yes, he is. He is able. He's not only able, he's willing. But what you got to do first, you got to relinquish control. You've got to relinquish control. You've got to submit yourselves to God and allow him to be in control of every area of your life. And submission is always a matter of also obedience to his word. You cannot, you cannot say that you've submitted yourself to Christ and disobey his word. See how that works? So submission is also obedience. And you're telling God, God, I trust you more than I trust myself then watch what God does. It's going to be amazing. Why? Because God is able. He's willing. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. If you've not given your life to Jesus today, I want to encourage you to do that. There's going to be two levels of this moment. If you've not surrendered control of your life to Jesus, if you've not said, Jesus, be Lord of my life, but you want to today. With nobody looking around whatsoever, I just want you to hold up your hand really high. Let me see who you are. Anybody in this room? All right, you can put your hand down. Anybody else? Okay. Then we pray a prayer like this. Jesus, I surrender to you. Be Lord of my life. Forgive me of all of my sins and empower me to live the life you've called me to live. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe in the cross. I believe in the resurrection. I believe that you are Savior of the world. And now I know that you're my Savior and that you've saved me from my sins. And it makes my heart glad. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you for saving me. And I pray that in your name, Jesus. Now, there's others here in this room that you have been trying to manipulate your circumstances. You, you find yourself in dealing with some struggles, some trials in your life. And you're giving it your best, but sometimes you find yourself trying to manipulate that you're not trusting God. And you think that you might be able to do a better job. And maybe you haven't actually thought of it like that, but you realize right now that's exactly what you've been doing. Instead of just entrusting the situation with, with God, your Father, you're trying to handle it on your own. But you realize today that God's way is better. The fact that God gives his best when we leave the choices up to him when we let him do the work. He always gives his best. And you realize that today. 
and you're ready to set that straight, you're going to be releasing some things to the Lord today for him to control instead of you trying to control. With nobody looking around again, it's just a quiet moment. Raise your hand and hold your hands up really high. Let me see who you are. All right, lots of hands. Heavenly Father, I thank you. Thank you that you are trustworthy. I thank you that you love us the way that you do. Thank you that you're in control at all times. And that you've brought us to this moment by your design, by a moment given by the Holy Spirit so that we could come before you and we could just admit, Father, that we're not the ones in control, that we have tried and we have failed. We've manipulated and it hasn't worked. Lord, we've, we've tried everything that we know to do and it hasn't been successful. And so today we're just submitting ourselves to your word and we're trusting you. And we're saying, we're declaring in our hearts and our minds with our voices, God, you are in control. And I trust you. And I know I'm valuable to you. And I know that the people involved in this, they are valuable to you. And that you're going to work all things together for our good. Because you know what's best. So I'm just letting it go now. I'm trusting you. Lord, be in control of me. Be in control of the situation. And do what only you can do. I trust you. And I pray that in Jesus' name. church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey. Find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ. All you have to do is go to newsongplymouth.church connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.